Welcome to another great message at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. I'm here this morning in my official capacity as as a celestial pomologist. I know, I was impressed with it myself. Let me explain that to you. <laughs> Pomology is the study of the development of fruit. And celestial, obviously, is heavenly. And one of my favorite subjects that I teach in Bible school uh, is on the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what I want to do this morning. And obviously, we can only scratch the surface. But when you read Galatians 5 you'll find that Paul mentions at least nine components of the fruit of the Spirit there. And I always say that I don't think God gave us a, it's not a multiple choice kind of verse where he says, pick the three that you like best, because most people would would take love, joy, and peace. But very few would go for long-suffering, self-control, and meekness. Uh, because I don't think we always understand what those things are about, because we have these misconceptions about them. So this morning, I want to focus on meekness, and I want to entitle the sermon, The Might of Meekness, because I'm going to show you that meekness, uh, according to the Bible, is something so different to what the world thinks it is. So I want to start by mentioning a man called Friedrich Nietzsche, Uh, You might have heard of him. He was a German philosopher, but also uh, an extremely ferocious denigrator of Christianity. And meekness, interesting enough, was one of the main things that he used to direct his his criticism and his condemnation of Christianity. Because he believed that meekness was a vice, not a virtue. And in essence, he said that Christianity created a slave morality uh, and and glorifying things that are weak and making them strong, things that are evil and, and making them good. For instance, he said that forgiveness was invented due to the inability to take revenge. He said that sincerity was celebrated to soothe the lack of education. Chastity was praised because sex was unobtainable. (laughs) And meekness was created to glorify the weak, the poor, and the persecuted. He developed uh, the concept of the Übermensch. Now, the Übermensch is not a passenger in a taxi. It's a kind of a superhuman who he said was to create his own values and uh, live Uh, life according to his own rules, free from the chains of religion. And he basically said that the emphasis of Jesus on meekness was making man a, a pathetic victim. Now, when we read the Bible, we'll see that one of the essential attributes of Jesus, in fact, was his meekness. And it was something that he taught on And I'm going to quote some of these words a little bit later. But here's the problem. It's not just anti-Christian philosophers who misunderstand meekness. 
Sometimes religious people have the wrong idea of what meekness is about. Um, Charles Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist Church, was also a prolific songwriter, and he wrote this children's song. And I think some people even misunderstand his intentions with that song, because here's the first uh, part of the lyrics of that song, and it says, Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child. And it was obviously a children's song. But we must not make the mistake to equate meekness with a child. It's a quality that every mature believer should actually manifest. It's something uh, vitally important. In fact, when we're going to read the, the uh, Scripture in Galatians 5 now, I want you to just notice that all of these things mentioned here are actually attributes of God. Now, it might sound strange to say that God is a meek God. If you understand what meekness is about, then you'll be able to agree with it. But here's what Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23 uh, say. It, I'm reading from the American Standard Version. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, we know God is love. Joy. God is a God of joy. Peace. We know Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, meekness, self-control. And that's where I think people stumble because they cannot understand that God can be a meek God because they have the wrong concept. But I'm going to show you later that God actually displays meekness. So uh, one of my, my favorite methods of teaching is to try and get rid of false concepts that people have of things described in the Bible first. Because if, if you don't uh, identify and expose those false ideas, you might teach on it and, and people still have the old idea that they're clinging on to. So when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit and the different components, I've heard of churches actually using those individual components as a theme for a series of meetings. I've heard of love festivals, of joy celebrations, of peace rallies, <laughs> but I'm yet to hear of meekness meetings. Why? Because people do not think that meekness is a quality to be admired or desired. And they actually uh, perish because of a lack of knowledge. So let me give you just three wrong ideas of meekness that the world has and that religion sometimes has. Meekness, firstly, is not weakness. We think of it in, in, in that term. And some think to be meek, you need to be a weak, bleak, geek freak. And it took me some time to get all those words together. <laughs> but, but you see, a geek could sometimes be somebody, he has a weakness because he's socially awkward and sometimes intellectually bent. And we think of it in, in, in those terms. And, and you see, meekness is not being a mushy mouth push over, because that's not meekness, it's spinelessness. And, and maybe you can, you can picture this. You know, South Africans, we love to, to dunk our rusks in coffee or tea. 
But have you ever tried that with a Mari biscuit? First of all, <laughs> it's quite an achievement if you can actually get it out without it drowning in your tea or coffee. But if you do get it out, you have to be careful, otherwise it flops on your, on your clothes before you can get it to your mouth. And it's that kind of spinelessness that I think people equate meekness with sometimes. I don't know if there's any Afrikaans-speaking people here, but even the Afrikaans word, sachmoedigheid, sachmoedige neelsie, it's like a hand-picked husband. <laughs> and, 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 and you know, uh, uh, meekness is not weakness. We, we would sometimes speak about a wimp who's weak, timid, spiritless, spineless, gutless, boneless, useless, overcautious, unadventurous, and we would call him a wimp, and then we would say, he cannot help it. He's meek because he cannot help it. As if it is a character flaw. As if it is a mistake. I'm going to show you it's not a character flaw. It's in fact a quality that God has and that he wants you to develop in, in your life. It's not passive surrender. It's not cowardice. It's not giving in to the slightest of, of pressure. As I said, all of the fruit of the Spirit are forces of life. Meekness is a fruit of power because it's, it's a characteristic of God. And to prove that to you, I want to start with... Um, giving you the biblical concept of, of meekness, when uh, Matthew describes the triumphal and glorious entry of Jesus in Jerusalem, he quotes from the Old Testament, a messianic prophecy, in Matthew 21 and verse 5, and I want to read this to you from the West expanded translation of the New Testament, and here's what he says. Listen to the words. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold your king, ruler. Your king comes to you, meek, and riding upon a donkey. Wow. You see, God's idea of meekness, humility, those things are associated with strength, with power. I'm going to prove that to you later. Let me give you one more scripture. Psalm 45, verses 3 and 4. This is King David writing, and the New American Standard, listen to the important words again. Words of power, gird thy sword on thy thigh, O mighty one, in thy splendor and thy majesty, and in thy majesty ride on victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. How amazing it, is it that majesty and meekness go together. And here's what David says, the kingdom of the Messiah will be one of truth, of meekness, and of righteousness, not of lies, arrogance, and injustice, not associated with pretense, pomp, and pride. So clearly, according to the Bible, meekness cannot be weakness. Here's the second wrong idea that people have. Meekness is not an attitude of inferiority. Now, I'm going to show to you later because uh, it is important to understand that meekness and humility are associated, but humility we also misunderstand sometimes because we have this wrong idea. Even in church, I see people displaying a false kind of modesty. They walk around with stooped shoulders and, and with a little shuffle, and they wring their hands and they speak with this whining voice. And, 
I'm just Brother Worm and Sister Grasshopper. Humility is not putting yourself down. Humility is not thinking of yourself less. It's basically just thinking less of yourself. Humility is reality. Seeing yourself as God sees you. And, and therefore, you know what? If we understand that, then God is a humble God because God always sees reality. God has no distorted view of, of anything. So, um, you know, I, I, I want to mention this. How many of you have been to London and visited the famous store called Harrods? Anybody been to Harrods? Good. If you are in London, do yourself a favor. My favorite part of Harrods is the food court. Because they have the most amazing fruit and vegetables, everything important. And I, I, I'll never forget the first time I was there, I saw fruit, because all the fruits are labeled where it comes from. I saw South African fruit that I've never seen here. <laughs> because the A-grade, first-grade fruit are imported or exported from here. And here's what I want to say. There's nothing inferior that God gives you. Everything is first-grade. So the fruit of meekness is celestial quality. It has a label on it. It comes from heaven. There's nothing inferior about it. And here's what Jesus said in John 15 and verse 5, again using the metaphor of, of fruit. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now we used to sing a song that says, without him I can do nothing. But that's where the devil wants us to stop reading and to stop singing. If we just read on, you will see that Jesus says this in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. Wow. So it's not living an inferior, unproductive life. It's having the fullness and the fruitfulness of God in, in your life. So don't ever associate meekness or humility with inferiority. It's seeing reality. And then lastly, uh, meekness is not timidity. We sometimes have this idea that if you are shy, timid, withdrawn, if you are nervous, if you are fearful, uh, then you are meek. But I'm going to show you later on, meekness is actually strength. And it's not being fearful. And here's the wonderful thing. If you fear God, you don't have to fear people. Proverbs 14, 26, in the Amplified says, in the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6 God speaking, and he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hallelujah. So meekness is not being afraid or scared or timid. I'll never forget, we were in, in Scotland 
And uh, as we were touring there, we were reminded of, of Robbie Burns, the famous Scottish poet, and he has a famous poem that he kind of uh, dedicated to a mouse because he was plowing in the field, they say, and suddenly upturned this nest of the mouse, and the mouse was uh, uh, running away. And, and uh, I just love the, the Scottish sound of, of this poem because it says, We slicked cowron timorous beastie, oh, what a panic is in thy breastie. <laughs> And it speaks about a tiny, timid, trembling, terrified little creature with his heart beating in, in, in terror. And in English, we actually have the expression to be as meek as a mouse because that's what we associate meekness with. I'm going to show you if you have true scriptural godly meekness, you won't be as meek as a mouse. You'll be as bold as a lion. So don't be a meeky mouse. <laughs> so <laughs> what does the Bible say about meekness? What is true meekness about? Here's the first thing. It is, in fact, a humble meekness. It is associated with humility. Uh, and meekness has all to do with understanding your relationship with God. Faith is believing God to be what His Word declares Him to be. But meekness is understanding the distinction between God and self and having a regard for His superiority. Because the moment you become too proud and think that you do not need God, you don't have meekness. I'm going to show you meekness goes beyond that, but let me just focus on this for a, for a while. Understanding that God is far superior. The moment you think you are the greatest, then put yourself next to God. Muhammad Ali, heavyweight world boxing champion, used to say, I'm the greatest. Maybe he was for a while in the boxing ring. I don't know in the maths class. <laughs> if he could make the same statement. So you see, here's the thing. The moment you become proud, ask yourself, with whom are you comparing yourself? You see, if I went to the Congo today in the rainforest there, I might encounter a tribe called the pygmies. I would be a giant. Because the average height is, I think, 1.3 meters. But if I, if I just stay long enough in the same region, I might meet the Tutsis, and some of them are <laughs> two meters plus. So you see, who are you comparing yourself with? And the moment you feel pride creeping into your life, and pride is so deceptive you sometimes don't know it, it's sometimes better to become humble when you don't have much to be proud of. so that you can keep that quality. But the moment you feel that you're getting proud, then just place yourself next to God and understand His superiority. But here's what I want to add, because if we stop there again, we're making a mistake. Meekness is realizing that God is far superior, but you are connected with God. That's what meekness is about. You can draw from His resources. You have His power available to you.
So don't just say that, that a, a, a God is, is so great, but you feel that you are a mouse. You're not. You're connected with Him. And just incidentally, uh, when I speak about greatness, I'm not talking about physical stature only. And I, I've never had an issue, thank God, with my physical stature because I feel I'm the perfect height. Because the Bible says, I'll see Jesus face to face. <laughs> and I used to kind of stand on that promise until somebody said to me, but did you also read that it says, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. <laughs> So make sure you always realize God is superior, but you're connected with God. That's true meekness. You know, I think the most humble statement in the Bible is when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because he, he realized his power came from above. Uh, James 3 uh, verses 13 and, and, and 17 in the Contemporary English version says, Are any of you wise or sensible? Then show it by living right and by being humble. The word there really is being meek and wise in everything you do. Verse 17, The wisdom that comes from above leads us to be pure, friendly, gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere. Wow! We need to draw from God's resources. The second important thing that the Bible teaches us about meekness is that meekness is a teachable meekness. We need to always remain teachable. I do not think that it's coincidental that the followers of Jesus are called disciples because one of the meanings of the word disciple means learner. You never stop being a disciple. I don't care how long you've been a Christian or how long you've been in the ministry. You need to remain a lifelong learner and never arrive at the point where you think that you know everything. In, in 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 and 2, it says, Knowledge puffs up. It makes you proud. But love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. So meekness is to know that you don't know as you ought to know. <laughs> the moment you think you know everything, it's proof that you don't. And here's the wonderful thing about Jesus. Jesus said, come, all you who are weary, and learn from me. He says, I'll give you rest. He says, learn from me because I am meek and lowly in heart. So the first thing we can learn from Jesus is about meekness. Because that uh, uh, will make sure that we remain teachable. In James 1 and verse 21, there's an important verse because it says, Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls or to renew your mind. If you do not have meekness, you will have a problem in receiving the word because you'll sit there with criticism, with, uh, with resistance, with with all kinds of arguments about the Word, and you will not be able to receive it. So meekness removes all of those barriers and will help you to receive the Word of God in its fullness. 
Now, before I get to the last point, I want to say this. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying. Don't just receive everything. There's a difference between being um, open to receive and being meek and humble and being gullible. It says receive with meekness the implanted word, not people's ideas, not religious concepts. The word. So, remain teachable. That's important. And then lastly, I want to focus on this, and I think a very, very important aspect of meekness. Meekness is a powerful meekness. That's what the Bible speaks about. Now, as I said, it might surprise you that meekness and might are associated. But think about this. In Matthew 5 and verse 5, Jesus declares uh, people blessed, and here's what he says, Blessed are the meek, because they will inherit the earth. What does inherit the earth mean? It means they will be the rulers of the earth. They will preside over the earth. You cannot be a ruler unless you have strength. And who has the strength? The meek. Wow. Moses, probably one of the most important leaders, strong leader in Israel, his outstanding quality was this, that he was more meek than any other man on the earth. So meekness involves strength. I don't want to bother you with a, with a Greek word. You can go and look it up if you want to. But go and check this out. The Greek word used in Galatians 5 for meekness is actually a combination of gentleness and strength. It's not just gentleness. And I know some translations just use that, that word. But it is gentle strength or strong gentleness. In fact, the same Greek word was used in extra-biblical literature to describe a tamed animal. Now think about this for a moment. If you had a wild horse and you tamed that horse, does the, the horse lose its strength? No. But what happens? That strength comes under control. And for me, that's the most simple definition of meekness, controlled power, directed energy. Meekness means you have all the resources available to you. You are in a position of authority. You have the power to act otherwise. But then when you're in a situation that is potentially explosive, you still are being controlled and gentle in your conduct. And Jesus was an example of this. In Matthew 26 and verse 53, when, when Peter chopped off the ear of the priest's, high priest's servant, Jesus responded and he said this to Peter. He says, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? So Jesus had all the resources available. He had all the power, but he still acted gently. And incidentally, when he speaks about 12 legions, he's using a, a, a Roman military term there, and we can calculate it to up to 80,000 uh, angels that he had available at that time. Now, one angel made people so scared that they fell over. 
80,000 Jesus had available at one prayer to the Father. But he still acted gently. And there's a message in this for us. And let me say this, if you are in a position of authority in your job or wherever you are in the ministry, in the ministry we sometimes see spiritual authority being abused. But here's the important thing, treat people with kindness and with gentleness and don't make a display of your power. I want to conclude with this. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4.21 because he addresses a serious sinful issue there. And he says to them, what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline or with love and a spirit of gentleness? And again, the word there should really be meekness because it's the same Greek word. So Paul, as an apostle, could have used a strong rod of correction, but he says, I choose to come to you in love and a spirit of gentleness, of meekness, of kindness. Do you know that the Bible does not say, do not get angry? The New Testament says two things about anger. It says, be slow to anger. And then it says, if you do get angry, do not sin. So there is what we call a righteous anger. And I want to close by giving you a, a checklist for getting angry, for displaying righteous anger. Here's what it is. Get angry at the right time. Sometimes we get angry at the wrong occasion. Secondly, get angry at the right pace or the right slowness, rather. Don't get angry in a hurry. Thirdly, get angry against the right person. And quite often, our anger should actually be directed at the devil. Number four, get angry for the right reason. If you are right, there may be no need to get angry. If you are wrong, you don't have the right to get angry. <laughs> Number five, get angry in the right way. Don't explode. Say amen, say aina, say aish, say something because it's true. And lastly, get angry for the right length of time. Don't stay angry. You know, concerning the marriage relationship, the Bible actually says, don't let the sun sit on your anger. It means deal with it quickly. Don't go to bed angry. Now, that doesn't mean if you got angry with your spouse, six o'clock in the morning, you have 12 hours before the sun goes down. It just means deal with it as quick as possible. So I want to say this to you. Meekness is powerful, but it's not forceful. Meekness is the power to soothe or to calm an explosive situation. God is powerful, but he's not forceful. I, I, I didn't give this uh, in, in, in the first service, and it's not even on, on the screen. But if you want to make a, a note of this scripture, although meekness is not mentioned here directly, the concept is here. Again, it's King David writing about God in Psalm 18 and verse 35. And listen what he says about this combination of gentleness and strength that God displays. He says, your right hand has helped me up. That's authority. 
Your gentleness has made me great. Whoa. God's gentleness can make you great. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, pursue meekness. And I want to say, don't wait for the midnight on the 31st of December to make a New Year's resolution. There's nothing magical or mystical about that moment. Start now. God is a now God. God wants you to start developing meekness right now. And incidentally, it's a journey. It's not going to happen instantaneously. There's no such thing as short-suffering. It's long-suffering. Same with meekness. It won't appear overnight. But I want 2020, if I can pick any theme for myself and for you, it's for a year to be fruitful in the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Let's stand.